If you have a Bible, I invite you to open it to the book of Matthew, first book of the New Testament. If you have no idea where Matthew is, I am so glad you're here because that means you're trying something new and uh, you're seeking and checking it out, and that's really cool. Uh, just use the table of contents, it's fine. Book of Matthew. Uh, help yourself to one of the Bibles in front uh, there in the rack if you need one. It's obviously Christmas time if you hadn't noticed that. And um, we are looking at the Christmas message, the message that God sent to us, Messiah. That's the focus of our series for the next few weeks. The one sent by God to rescue us and rule over us. That's what Messiah means, rescue, rule. And Today we are going to be looking at a hero, uh, one of the heroes of the story, named Joseph. Joseph was given one of the most incredible responsibilities ever, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but he was given the responsibility, God gave him the task of being the earthly father of Messiah, to protect him, to provide for him to help raise him from infancy to manhood. What a mind-boggling responsibility that was. You know, if you're a dad, you already know that fatherhood is an awesome responsibility, providing for your kids, protecting your kids, helping raise your kids. But to have that responsibility for God's own son, the Messiah, that just, wow. And as we're going to see... God never asks Joseph if he's okay with this. He never says, hey, Joseph, I'm thinking of doing something here. I'd kind of like to get your opinion on this. What do you think? I was thinking of making your fiancé, Mary, the mother of Messiah, who would be my very own, my eternal son in human flesh. And so, Joseph, that means you're going to have the responsibility to protect him, to look after him. You're going to be his adopted father, and you're going to need to take care of him, and you're going to need to raise him properly. What do you think? You up for that? Nope. Nope. God basically says, Joseph, here's what I'm doing, and here's what you're going to need to do. Now step up to the plate and do it. And Joseph does. He does. You see, that's what makes somebody a hero in God's book. Trusting him enough to do whatever he says. So I want to look at Joseph's example here and see what we can learn from it. So we're in Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to pick up at verse 18, 18 down to 25. Just before we read, let's just pause and pray. Father in heaven, you gave us this word to change our lives, to connect us to you, to help us understand you and your great plan for us. And we pray now you would open up our hearts and minds by your spirit to receive your truth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is the word of the Lord, Matthew 1, 18. This is how the birth of Jesus 
Christ, Jesus the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus means the Lord saves. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child, will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Notice in verse 19 that Joseph is called a righteous man. He's called a righteous man. What does that mean? Well, contrary to what you might think, it doesn't mean he was a perfect man. It doesn't mean he was a sinless man. Because the Bible is very clear that nobody fits that category except Jesus. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. When the Bible says all, it means all. So that's not what it means to be righteous. What it means is Joseph trusted God. He put his hope, his confidence in God. And because he trusted God, he did what God said in his word. Um, It doesn't mean he never sinned. It means that he admitted his sin. That's what the Word of God says to do. And, and he would have, as an Israelite, he would have gone to the temple and he would have uh, done the sacrifices that God had established in his Word. If you go back and read the Old Testament, first five books of the Old Testament, and God had given his people a way to relate to him who was absolutely holy through the system of sacrifices. So Joseph trusted in God's provision For his sins. Just like today, now that Messiah has come, those sacrifices pointed forward to the ultimate perfect sacrifice that Jesus made one time for all. And now we are righteous not by achieving God's standards by our own efforts, because we can't. You know, if you're if you're coming to church because you know you want to become a better person and you want to you want to do better and you want to Uh, become more what God wants you to be. Well, that's a good desire, but if you're thinking you can accomplish that by your own efforts, you're mistaken. It's what Jesus did for us that enables us to be righteous in God's eyes. We just simply receive what he did for us. Hebrews 10.10 We have been made holy. How in the world can a person like me be made holy? Through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Not by my achievement, but by Jesus' achievement on the cross. So, Joseph is a righteous man because he trusts God. He puts his hope in God and God's provision for sin. 
And he trusts God enough to believe what God says and to do what God says. That's what it means to be a righteous man. And we can see that lived out here in this story, in this passage we're looking at. And so I want to just draw your attention to a couple qualities of a righteous man. So this is kind of a manly sermon. Men, boys, guys, these are qualities that God wants in your life. He wants you to be like this. This is the kind of man God wants you to be. And women, don't tune out. Because if you're a mom or a grandmother, this is the kind of man God wants your son or grandson to become. Or if you're not married yet, this is the kind of man God wants you to marry. And if you are married, then these are the qualities to pray for that God will develop in your husband. And when he does and when he demonstrates those qualities that you, you appreciate him for it and you tell him so, that you respect him for it. So, here we go. A couple qualities of a righteous man. First one, Joseph balanced being right with being gentle. So that doesn't sound very manly, gentle. Okay, hold on. Being right with being gentle. Let me explain this. Joseph is in a really tough situation. He finds out that the woman he loves, the woman he is betrothed to, and betrothal is much more significant in those days than when we think of engagement. In betrothal, you pretty much were married, all except for the final consummation of that marriage. But everybody regarded you as husband and wife from that point on. And the woman he has been betrothed to, Mary, has become pregnant. And he knows he's not the father. He knows this. Well, sex outside of God's design of marriage is wrong. The Bible is very clear about this. It is no, it's not gray. It's not, well, I don't know. I have a different opinion. Well, then you're contradicting God. God designed for that to be a beautiful, wonderful thing within the boundaries of marriage. And outside of that, it's, it's wrong. It's not good. And Joseph knows that. And in a betrothal situation, this is equivalent to adultery. A betrayal of your spouse. So, the right thing to do here is to break it off. And Joseph is clearly planning to do the right thing. But he's planning to do it in a gentle way. It says he did not want to expose Mary to public disgrace. So he had in mind to divorce her quietly or privately. He didn't want to humiliate her. Now that's really something. Because I can guarantee Joseph was really upset by this. He was upset, he was hurt, he was probably angry. I don't know if there's anything that hurts more than betrayal. And from all Joseph knows, it's obvious Mary has betrayed him. So this had to hurt. It had to hurt. But see, instead of hurting her back as much as he could, instead of dragging her through the mud, instead of exposing her to all kinds of humiliation, he decides to break it off quietly. He balanced being right with being gentle. Now, what does it mean to be gentle? 
it does not mean being weak. It's not weakness. Gentleness is not weakness. You know what weakness is? Weakness is when we know what the right thing to do is, but we don't do it because it's too hard or because we're afraid of what people will think or because, you know, somebody's going to get mad at us. (laughs) Have you ever been there? I have. I have. You know what the right thing to do is, but you just flat don't want to do it because you don't want to deal with the consequences. You don't want people getting upset. You don't want people thinking, you know, whatever they're going to think. Well, that's being weak. That's not being gentle. Gentle is talking about strength that's restrained for a good reason. You limit your strength out of concern, out of love for another person and what's best for them. Okay, now since this is sort of a manly sermon, let's put this in the language of fixing things. Most guys like to fix things or try to fix things. Gentleness means not using a bigger hammer than is necessary to do the job. That's gentleness. So if you've got a concrete slab you're trying to break up and you don't have a jackhammer, go ahead, get the biggest sledgehammer you can and have at it. Because you're trying to bust up concrete, that's going to take a lot of strength, and you know you just get the biggest hammer you can carry, right? All right. Well, let's say instead of that, you're doing a little repair on a cabinet, or you know doing some finished carpentry or whatever, and you need to tap in a tiny little finishing nail into that cabinet face. Don't use a sledgehammer, okay? Because that'll ruin it, absolutely destroy it. What do you need? You need a tiny hammer. You know, or a nail set, you need, you need to restrain. Back off on the power, Jack, or you're going to bust it. All right, so that's gentleness. Backing off on the power, backing off on the hammer. Here's Joseph. He knows the right thing to do is to break off this betrothal, and he knows full well that he can just destroy Mary publicly. He knows he can do that but he's not going to do it. He balances being right with being gentle. And the Bible says that's righteous. That's righteous. And this is such an important lesson for us. Such an important lesson. I think particularly in our culture with some of these social issues that are all controversial and, and hard and everything, it is so easy to fall off this balance beam And to be either a jerk, that's one side of the balance beam, or to be a wimp, that's the other side. Okay? And and most of us tend to be, tend to have an inclination one way or the other. You know, either, man, I'm just going to say it like it is, I'm just going to do what's right, and I'm going to do it, and I don't care who gets hurt, I don't care what happens, let the chips fall where they may. If somebody doesn't like it, too bad. That's being a jerk. Or it's like, well, I don't know. I know what the right thing to do is, but I don't want anybody to get upset. I don't want anybody to get mad at me. That's being a wimp. And it's so easy to do one or the other. And Christians get polarized, you know. It's like, ah, you know, and, and they come off angry and just, I don't care who gets hurt. Or they say, well, I don't know. I think we should just go along. Speaking the truth in love, the Bible says. 
being a jerk, being a wimp, those aren't Christian options. Those aren't biblical options. The option is gentleness. Doing what's right, but doing it in a gentle way, out of concern, genuine concern for people. You can make a case that those two extremes, neither one of them is loving. It's not loving to not care about people and how they're going to be affected, and it's also not loving to care about people and how they're going to be affected, which, if you don't know the truth, is bad. So, balance. A righteous person who trusts God enough to do what he says will strive to do both, to be right and to do it gently. 2 Timothy 2, 24 and 25 says, And the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. You see, the, gentle, the purpose of the gentle instruction is, I want what's best for you. I want you to repent. I want you to know the truth. I'm not superior to you. I just, I want you to know. Joseph balanced being right with being gentle. And that's righteous. That's righteous. Well, then everything changes because God sends an angel to Joseph to explain that Mary has not actually betrayed him. And the right thing to do in this situation was to marry her and to become the legal father of her child who was actually the Son of God conceived by the Holy Spirit. You talk about your world getting turned upside down. And how does Joseph respond? I try to kind of imagine what it would be like, what I, how I would have responded. Look how Joseph responds, verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. That is such a simple statement, but there's so much in that. And this highlights the other quality of a righteous man that I see here. He said no to his agenda in order to say yes to God's agenda. I'm pretty sure this was not in his agenda. But he said no to his agenda and yes to God's. Now, it's really tempting to think here, well, of course he said yes to God's agenda. Duh. God sent him an angel. I mean, if God did that to me, if God spoke to me like that, I'd do whatever he said also. You ever think that? Yeah, if God had just sent an angel, God just sent a scroll down, God would just, you know, give me a miracle. It ain't necessarily so, people. Don't be too sure. Look at Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. In the past, referring back to before the coming of Christ, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Through Jesus and his apostles, God has spoken to us a final authoritative message. That's what we have in here. And... One of the implications of that is that this message we have through God's Son is just as much a message from God 
as anything Joseph experienced or anything any Old Testament prophet, any miraculous, angelic appearance or whatever. It's not the how the message comes that's significant. It's, it's that the message comes. It's not how God tells us. It's that he has told us. And here's the thing. If we won't obey his message in one form, I'm not convinced we'll obey it in another form. You ever heard of Jonah? Jonah was a prophet. God spoke directly to him. said, Jonah, go to Nineveh. <laughs> you know what Jonah did? He went 180 degrees the other way. He did not obey. He did not do what God wanted. But not Joseph. Joseph said yes to God's agenda, even though it meant saying no to some things that I'm pretty sure Joseph would have wanted. Let me highlight just a few of these. Saying yes to God meant saying no, first of all, to a good reputation. Joseph said no to a good reputation. I'm pretty sure Joseph would have wanted a good reputation. I think we all do, right? I mean, just test yourself. Would you rather people think you're a great guy or girl, gal, or a terrible person? Would you rather have them think well of you or think poorly of you? Would you rather have them admire you or despise you? Okay, simple question. We all want a good reputation. We want people to think well of us. I think Joseph did. Here's the deal. By marrying Mary and not breaking off the betrothal, Joseph ruined his reputation forever. Because now everybody's going to think the baby's his. Because if he weren't the father, he would have called it off. So now this means everybody's going to think he's an immoral jerk, living in a very moral, very religious society. And it's a small town. Everybody's going to know. Everybody's going to talk. It's going to be ugly. And what's Joseph going to do? Tell everybody the truth? Hey, hey, people, it's not what you think. All right, I know it looks bad, but here's what really happened. An angel of the Lord appeared and Never mind. <laughs> Nobody's going to buy it. But he said yes to God anyway. He said no to his reputation. Another thing he said no to was a convenient life. You know, becoming the stepfather of Messiah, uh, that proved to be a very inconvenient job. Look at chapter 2, verse 13. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod, the king, is going to search for the child to kill him. Middle of the night, get up, go to Egypt. Well, whoa, really? Egypt? That's like 200 miles or more away. How are they going to get to Egypt? They got a newborn. And then where are they going to live? How are they going to live? How do you make a living in Egypt? That's a foreign country. This seems incredibly inconvenient to me. <clears throat> but look at verse 14. So he got up, he took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt. Okay. Now move ahead to verse... 19 of chapter 2. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared to 
in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. Up, time to move again. Get up, go. Yeah, I know you just got that promotion. I know you finally got the house the way you wanted. Time to go. Pack up. Let's go. How many of you really enjoy moving? You love that, right? How many of you would have been tempted to complain right about now? Verse 21, so he got up, he took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. If he complained, we don't hear about it. He said no to a convenient life. And one more thing he said no to, he said no to his own desires. He said no to his own desires. I don't know what Joseph and Mary's wedding was like. I suspect it was small. I don't think they probably invited all the neighbors because of the scandal and everything. Uh, it was not the big romantic celebration that, you know, weddings usually are. I don't know if they managed to squeeze in a romantic dinner, cruise on the Sea of Galilee, or what. <laughs> but I do know what they didn't do on their wedding night. Because verse 25 says, Joseph had no union with Mary until after Jesus was born. And I think I can safely speak for all men when I say that would be extremely disappointing. That's not how a wedding night is supposed to be. Just read the Song of Solomon. Brides and grooms are supposed to express their love for one another physically, sexually. But that wasn't an option in this case. Because there had to be absolutely no question that this child was not the offspring of Joseph. So, Joseph, you're just going to have to wait. And Joseph waits. God's agenda, not his. No complaining, no arguing, no pouting. Just trusting God enough to say yes to his agenda and say no to his own. Men, that is at the very heart of what it means to be a godly leader in your home. Leadership never, ever means forcing your family, well, to do anything, actually. But it never means forcing your family to do what you want, to follow your agenda. Leadership means influencing your family by your example primarily by your initiative by your behavior influencing your family to do what God wants to follow God's agenda see this is a powerful example of righteous manhood now in many ways our situations are nothing like Joseph's I mean this was this was a one-time event. Only Joseph was chosen to be Messiah's stepfather. But I am confident that God wants you and me to trust him as much as Joseph trusted him. And that's just the question that we need to wrestle with. God has spoken a word. Do you believe him when he says he sent Jesus to die for your sin? Do you believe him when he says Jesus rose from the dead? That's actually a well-established 
piece of history. To my mind, it's irrefutable. Jesus rose from the dead. He really did. Do you believe this Messiah who said he's going to come again and judge the world? Make right every wrong and give eternal joy to those who trust him. And in the meantime, we're to follow him. We're to put our trust in him and we're to help other people follow him. That's our primary purpose in life. Do you believe him? He has spoken to us a word. Do you trust him? Let's just bow our heads for a minute and think about that and pray. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He says, I'm the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even though he dies, yet shall he live. Messiah came to give us life. He came to rescue us from trying to be our own God's and to rule over us graciously and lead us to joy. If you want that and you have never yet said yes to Jesus, if you have never said, I'm a sinner, I have not been living my life the way God wants me to, I know that, I am sorry, and I know that I can't be good enough without God helping me and changing me. And if you want that, I just want to invite you to tell him so. And then God calls all of us, men and women, boys and girls, to trust him, to balance being right with being gentle, and to say no to our agenda, say yes to his. So I'm just going to give you a minute right now to pray. You just talk to God quietly. He knows exactly what you're thinking. Just talk to him about whatever you need to talk about. And I'll just close here in a minute. Father, thank you for um, speaking to us this message of life and hope and joy. Christmas is so amazing, the truth of what it means. Help us not lose sight of it in the midst of all the busyness of the season and father will you will you work in our lives just so we can be righteous people who trust you and live the way you want us to we pray and thank you in jesus name amen